0: Our scripture lesson today comes from Gospel Mark chapter one, the First Presbyterian. Stir up your of Lord Christ, and come. By your merciful protection, alert us to the threatening dangers of this world, and redeem us for your life of justice. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Emmanuel. Amen. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove upon him. And a voice came from the heavens, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days by Satan and he was with the wild beast and the angels waited on him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen.
1: Well, nothing amplifies differences in tradition quite like the holidays. When I was growing up, Christmas at my house meant new pajamas every year. And we would wear them all on Christmas Eve and lounge around wearing them in the morning. There would be coffee and hot chocolate and stockings and egg casserole and the enjoyment of gifts and a walk with the dog and a nap and some cookies, all of this still in our pajamas. Because Christmas at my house growing up meant pajamas as long as possible. But into the afternoon, we shifted because the evening was reserved for Christmas at my grandparents' house. My dad's side of the family would all assemble, and there would be honey baked ham and spritz cookies as far as the eye could see. Those were my grandmother's favorite. And there would be a grown up's table upstairs and a kid's table downstairs. And all of this was enjoyed in dresses and tights and shiny shoes, shirts pressed and pants pleated, hair combed and curled. Because if Christmas at my house was relaxed, Christmas at my grandparents' house was fancy. Now here's the thing about that. Both were great. I have treasured memories of Christmas at my house and Christmas at my grandparents' house. One wasn't better than the other. They were just different. And Christmas in the four gospels, is the same way. Four Gospels, four stories of Christmas, each of them celebrates in their own right. And so this Advent, as we prepare to tell our own story of Christmas, we're going on a bit of a holiday home tour. And maybe along the way, we'll learn something about what kind of celebration we most need. We'll visit Mark's house, Mark is too busy to decorate, but he understands the true meaning of the season. At Matthew's house, we might get lost in the crowd. His house is overflowing with family and friends. There's no chance of missing John's house. He has a particular fondness for Christmas lights of every sort. And when we finally get to Luke's house, Luke has the best music playing in the background but his furniture choices are interesting at best. We'll visit their houses in turn. We'll experience four different ways to welcome Christmas, four different approaches to celebrating the one who comes in flesh, love wrapped up in a body to meet us right where we are. So Mark is the first stop on the tour And no one would fault you for thinking that maybe the poor guy just wasn't ready yet, being first in line and all, because it doesn't seem to be Christmas at all. Mark's gospel house has no wreath on the door, no lights on the tree. Actually, there's not even a tree. And you know that as soon as you arrive because you step in and you can see every corner. Mark's house is functional. It's a roof over his head and four walls to hold it up, and that is about it. And you won't find any shepherds milling about, and no shepherds means no sheep. And how could there be? There's no star for them to follow. You won't even find Mary and Joseph, those anxious and exhausted new parents, because here's the real kicker. You won't find a baby. There is not a single sign of Christmas at Mark's house. It seems to be just any other day. Nothing special, no big deal. But don't mistake Mark for Ebenezer Scrooge, because nothing could be further from the truth. Christmas is the celebration of the incarnation, the good news that God has chosen to take on flesh and step into human history and change life as we know it. Mark may not offer us any details about where Jesus was born, but he tells us everything we need to know about where we can find him. Mark can always tell you exactly where the love of God is found in this world the first glimpse we see of Jesus in Mark's gospel is the day of his baptism when he comes up from the water and the Spirit of God falls down upon him and the voice of God calls him beloved it's a good moment but it's fleeting and immediately the gospel tells us the Spirit drives Jesus out into the wilderness Now, if you are liturgically-minded, you might be thinking that we go to the wilderness during Lent, not during Advent. But this is Mark's story, and this is the way he tells it. And Advent, you know, it means arrival. So according to Mark, immediately upon arrival, Jesus is in the wilderness. Now, you've heard me say this before. Wilderness, when it comes to Jesus, is never just about geography. It's not just a place on the map. It's a condition of the heart. It's an ache of the soul. Wilderness is where everything uncertain emerges front and center. It's where you can't make it on your own. And it's where the way of God feels feeble and frail and maybe even foolish, as other voices start to seem more reasonable. The wilderness is anywhere that disappointment is fresh, anywhere your spirit feels caught in a storm. It's anywhere you can't help but wonder if God is actually paying attention or not. You won't find that wilderness on a map. But it is possible that you have found it at home, or at work, or even at church, because the wilderness is never very far away for any of us. And Mark knows this. Mark never lets us forget this, and he does his absolute best to ensure we will remember it all through this season and well beyond Because from the beginning of his gospel right up until the end, Jesus is in the wilderness. He battles demons and storms. He pushes back against systems that oppress. He feeds the hungry. He heals the sick. He casts out any power that tries to dehumanize us. His ministry starts in the wilderness and it ends there too, up on a cross with his own blood spilled upon wilderness ground. Mark doesn't spend any time telling us where Jesus was born but he tells us over and over again where Jesus will be found in the wilderness. That matters because Mark knows how often we find ourselves in the wilderness. Now again, Mark's house is small and simple, and it's not decorated because he doesn't spend very much time there. He's always on the move, chasing Jesus with this incredible sense of urgency. Mark uses the word immediately 41 times in 16 chapters. The other three Gospels, they use it a combined total of nine times. Mark's gospel has no time for fussing around, no time for frills, because when your heart is bruised and broken, your need for Jesus is immediate. And there's no manger in Mark's gospel, because Jesus isn't there to lay in it. He's in the center of town, where powers and principalities meet and people's lives hang in the balance. He's in the neighborhoods with manicured lawns where people of all ages exhaust themselves, chasing after an ever-evolving understanding of success. He's in the neighborhoods where lawns are an afterthought, where people of all ages worry more about safety than anything else. He's in dorm rooms and college libraries in the middle of all-nighters awake with you in lonely hours when you are trying to figure out who you're going to be in this world. He's in hospital rooms and jail cells where na- nightmares don't fade in the morning light. He's in quiet houses and empty bedrooms where grief filled tears can be heard on nights that are far too silent. And he's in places like Club Q in Colorado Springs, places that should be sanctuary but have become yet another place where terror leaves its terrible mark. As far as Mark is concerned, we don't really need to know where Jesus was born. We just need to know where we can find him. And Jesus will always be found wherever he's needed most. Now all of this means that Mark's house is the place that no one wants to visit but it's good to know it's there. I hope that you won't need the Christmas story the way that Mark tells it. I hope every minute of your holiday is merry and bright. I hope the worst thing that happens for you is that you end up with a stomach ache after eating too many cookies. But if that's not the case, Mark's house is there. And the door is always open. Because Christmas can be hard. It's supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year, full of joy and light and warmth. But sometimes that expectation, it only magnifies days that feel dramatically different. Days that are full of fear and pain or loneliness or grief. And that is when we will need to visit Mark. Because I know that some of you just celebrated Thanksgiving with an empty place at the table. And I know that some of you are worried about paying the bills and some of you are trying to figure out where you fit in. I know that some of you are struggling with faith or how to make sense of such a broken world. I know some of you are exhausted, and some are lonely as all get out, and, frankly, some of you would just really like to catch a break. And there will be room for you at Mark's house, and you won't be alone. What's more, you might even find some reason for hope, because there's one other thing about Christmas at Mark's house. When Jesus was in the wilderness, the gospel says he was with the wild beasts. And you know, no other gospel makes mention of that. They all tell this story, but none of them mention that. But you know what it is. It's all the reason we need to light that candle of hope today. Mark might not pull out any Advent candles himself, But he doesn't forget the promise of the old prophet Isaiah, the one who gave us the beautiful words we remember at this time of year, telling us of a day when the wolf shall lie down with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the lion will feed together and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze and no one will hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. Those words are a metaphor for God's promised day when everything wrong is made right. Jesus goes into the wilderness as God's holy love made flesh. And in that wilderness, signs of hope show up. It turns out there's a little bit of Christmas at Mark's house after all. It's a gathering of those who know what it is to struggle, and there in the midst of them, Jesus is present. You won't see it in lights and Garland. You won't hear it in carols by the fire. But everywhere you look, you will still somehow see that the love of God has come to live where you live. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.